Uh, that was an amazing video, but uh, I'm going to be honest with you, there's no video or words that I could ever speak to show our appreciation to all of our veterans and everybody that served. <laughs> there is no way that we would be here without veterans, not a chance, so we want to thank you. Uh, this Veterans Day is a, a little bit different for me this uh, past year, um, something really, uh, I mean, it's a God moment in, in our lives. Uh, on uh, December 25th in 1950, my great-great-uncle Clark Warline uh, was listed as an MIA in the Korean War, and uh, his remains came home in June, and we got to lay him to rest, uh, which was a lot of closure for our family. So that was a, that was a pretty neat moment for us. So um, first off, uh, uh, thank you for coming to service. My name is Jed Warline. I'm the campus minister here at Ertes Valley location. I'm just glad to see you guys. Um, man, fall showed up, didn't it? Real quick. <laughs> Man alive. Not even knock on the door. They just kicked it open. But uh, it's good, though. I mean, uh, the, the leaves are about done, so we can start putting up Christmas lights, which I've already done. So, all right. So uh, we're going to continue into our 10-week series. Uh, we're in week nine. Believe it or not, we're about done. And then we'll go into our Christmas series. But uh, uh, on the Sermon on the Mount, like I said many times, Sermon on the Mount, greatest sermon that's ever been spoke. And it was only about 15 minutes long, but there's so much imperative information and, uh, in this sermon that Jesus tells his disciples, his followers, his not followers, and the people that were honestly 100% against him. But he shared the word in the exact same way. And, and so we have went through some really, really tough topics. And we've went through a lot of things that uh, I pray has made you think a little bit. Um, you know, we, we went through last week, we went to seek and we uh, went through uh, knock and we went through that series. And, um, you know, when I was thinking about that uh, this past week, you, you know, the seeking part is the part that I think is the hardest. Knocking is knocking's tough, but to not quit while you're on that road is tough. And so that's what Jesus was trying to tell his followers, you know. You're supposed to ask, seek, and knock. And, and uh, so we are going to get to the part of the sermon. We'll call this part one of Jesus' conclusion. So he's starting to wind down, um, and uh, he's starting to get to where he's about to finish. And he's in part one of the conclusion. That's what we're going to talk about today. And it's going to be in Matthew, but that's not going to be our starting scripture. Um, our starting scripture is going to be in uh, Proverbs 28.2. And so today's sermon is called Discernment. And decisions. And a lot of you are like, well, what's, a, what's discernment or what does it have to do with a decision? Well, basically, in, in short, discernment is what you use to get to a decision. Let me rephrase that. Discernment is what you're supposed to use to get to a decision. But discernment is what gets you to the point where you're confident enough to make a decision. Church, we can all agree. We all have made some decisions we look back on. We're like, what was I thinking, right? Don't believe me? Go look at old high school photos of your attire <laughs> or your hairstyle. There's some we look at we're like, there's no way my mom let me out in public like that, right? I grew up, I used to color, I used to dye my entire head blonde. I am not an attractive blonde. Uh, we, we found that out. So, and then if I wasn't blonde, I'd have uh, uh, my wife put highlights in. I was like, I want to look like Justin Timberlake, which it never happened either. But uh, I look back on it, I was like, man, these are some awful decisions. I wish I, I wish I had some discernment to be like, man, 
look in a mirror, boy, before you do this, you know? And, and so we have all made some really, really weird and I would say poor decisions in our lives. But church, that's where the discernment has to come in. That's where you have to go to God and ask for direction. And that's what we're going to talk about today. I want to get you guys to a place through the word, through the sermon that Jesus spoke, that you guys use discernment for any decision that you'll ever make. Because a lot of times we make our decisions out of desperation. A lot of times we make our decisions out of, out of jealousy. A lot of times we make our decisions out of what we want, what, out of what our priorities are. But we need to look at discernment, and that's what we're going to do today. Proverbs 28.2, it says this. When a country is rebellious, it has many rulers, but a ruler with discernment and knowledge maintains order. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about Jesus and how Jesus had discernment and how he had order. And they go hand in hand. And, you know, Jesus is getting to a place, like I said, where he is coming to a time where he's about ready to wrap this up. They're about ready to leave. And Jesus has given them a whole lot of stuff. At this moment, people in attendance have to make a decision. What are they going to do with all this? What are they going to do with all this information that Jesus gave them? What are they going to do with all these decisions that Jesus is going to have them make? And that's where he's getting at. He's like, you guys are going to be overwhelmed with decisions you're about to make. I want to get you to a place that you can use discernment to get to that place. Church, there's a lot of statements I'm going to make today that I am not sugarcoating them. I'm not. Number one is this. When you meet Jesus, he requires you to make a decision. Either you're going to follow him or you're not. There is no middle ground whatsoever. And so that's what Jesus was saying. He's like, you have a decision now. Follow me or not. I wish everybody in attendance there would be like, I will follow Jesus. But there's some people that didn't use discernment and they just walked away. Church, it wasn't, that didn't just happen on the Sermon on the Mount. It happens every day. Every church, every encounter that we have, people hear the word of God and they choose to walk away. Because we have a decision and they make the, they make the incorrect one. So when we look at church and church words and stuff like that, you know, we call it a response time. We, we get up here and we have some amazing worship and, and, and we, we share the word of God to you and we do something that's called a response time. Basically, we're leaving it up to you. God spoke through us, through our music, through, through our ministry. We presented it to you and now is when Jesus really starts to pull at your heart and you have a decision to make. You have to use discernment to, to be confident enough to make that decision. Church, it breaks my heart to think there's so many churches out there getting rid of response times. That makes no sense to me. Because there's not one sermon or one encounter in the Bible where the, the, where the scripture was presented, where the word was presented, and there wasn't a time for us to respond. We need to respond when Jesus speaks to us. And the biggest reason why is this. A no answer is a no answer. Let me kind of that was kind of hard for you guys to grasp, all right? No answer is no answer. A answer, a, a answer needs to be answered. If you just 
someone presents the gospel to you and you're like, okay, that was nice. And you don't make an answer, that is a no answer. You don't believe me? If you go up to your kids and you ask them to do something and they don't say anything and walk away, do you really think that was a yes answer? <laughs> Absolutely not. Right? A, a no answer is a no answer. So we're going to look at a story real quick before we get into the Sermon on the Mount. And it's the rich young ruler. If you guys have ever looked at this story, and it's found in Matthew 19. And basically, the young ruler comes up to Jesus and he says, what must I do to gain eternal life? And Jesus responds and he said, keep the commandments. Just do what I've asked you to do. That's how you're going to gain eternal life. And the rich young ruler, without using any discernment, Snap back at Jesus and be like, I've been doing that since I was a kid. I've been doing that since I was, I was just a baby. I've been doing that my entire life. And then Jesus continues on and he says, okay, we'll do this then. How about you go and sell your possessions, give them to the poor, and you will have your treasures in heaven. Then he says, after you do that, church, you know this part? He said, come follow me. He says, sell what is important to you, give it to somebody that needs it, and when you have nothing, come follow me. The rich young ruler didn't even give a response. He just walked away. Church, that is a no answer. If God is putting something on your heart, if God is putting something down uh, inside of you that you're battling with, Maybe God is putting a ministry idea on, on your heart and, or maybe he's doing, uh, putting someone on your heart every day that you're supposed to reach out to or minister to. If you choose not to answer that call, that is a no answer. There's only two answers when it comes to following Jesus Christ, yes or no. There's not a maybe, there's no, maybe when I understand scripture better, maybe when, when I, I, I trust Jesus more, maybe when I'm more comfortable with all these church people. No, when Jesus says, follow me or not, choose, it's yes or no. Church, we're getting caught up in giving excuses why we can't follow Jesus Christ, why we can't do what he has called us to do. We are so good at excuses. We're so good at, at making a decision without using discernment. Now, we look at Jesus and his ministry, and let's look at where it started. You know, we're right now, we're at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, and you know, that's not where his ministry started. His ministry started when he started to walk down the street and he started noticing people. And he gave them a choice. First people he ran into was Peter and Andrew. Two brothers, fishermen. He gave them a proposition. He said, leave everything behind and won't you come with me? They had a choice. They could have said yes or no. What did they say? They say, I will follow you. And then he continues down and he comes into James and John. James and John was with their father and they were fixing their nets and getting ready to go back out and, and do their job. Make what, what they can to support their families. And Jesus comes to them and gives them the same challenge. Will you follow me? James and John says, yes, I will follow you. And we continue on Matthew. Matthew was a tax collector. He was in his booth. He was doing what he's supposed to be doing. And Jesus says, will you follow me? And he says, yes, I will follow you. Church, if Jesus asks you to follow him, yes is the correct answer. It is. 
Now, we come up with a lot of different things that we want to say no. We come up with a lot of different excuses that we can justify saying no to Jesus Christ. Church, none of them are good enough. I know we feel that way. I know maybe sometimes we're, we're intimidated by, I, I, I can't tell you how many people I have told you that I, I, I know that they're intimidated by Scripture. They're, intend, they're intimidated by the Word of God. Too many big words, too many stories that don't make any sense, too many people in the Bible that uh, I can't remember their names or, or why are they even in there. They're, it's Church, I'm telling you, the more you get into Scripture, the more sense that makes to you. And so when, when we look at what Jesus was doing, he's walking and he's asking everybody he meets, will you follow me? Jesus has never called us to be inactive. He called us to be active Christians, active Christ followers. So that's what he's doing. And he's walking down and he's asking all these people to follow him. And they say, yes. And guess where they go? They go to the Sermon on the Mount. And that's what's going to bring us. That is the longest introduction I'll ever give you. I promise. So we get to the Sermon on the Mount. He's halfway done. More than halfway. He's probably about 80, 80% done. And we're going to look at it. And Matthew 7, 13, it says this. He says, enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many enter through it, but small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. So church, today we're going to talk about three decisions that Jesus is letting people decide in the final moments of the Sermon on the Mount. The first decision that he is going to put on them is which road will you travel? Which road will you go down? And when you look at uh, um, American literature, there's a really good poem. I think most of us know it. I got a D minus in English, and I still know this poem. So it's by Robert Frost. And it's The Road Less Traveled. I'm going to read it to you. And I want to read it. I want you to, to, to look at the words. How close is this to Scripture about what Jesus was just telling them? Let's read it. Two roads diverged in the yellow wood, and sorry, I could not travel both. And be one traveler long I stood, and looked down one as far as I could, to where it bent in the undergrowth, then took the other just as fair, and having perhaps that better claim, because it was grassy and wanted wear. Though as for the passing there, had warned them really about the same, and both that morning equally lay, and leaves no step had trodden black. Oh, I kept the first for another day, yet knowing how... How way leads on to way. I doubted it if, if I should ever come back. Church, let's, let's read this one. I shall be telling this with a sigh. Somewhere, ages and ages hence, two roads diverged in a wood. And I, I took the one less traveled by. And that has made all the difference. Church, which road you travel in life will make all the difference. All of it. It doesn't matter about anything else, but the road you choose will be your deciding, will be, will be what you decide. And I'm telling you, it makes the world of a difference. But most importantly, it makes an eternity of difference. So let's look at the two roads. There's only two roads in life. I know some of us think there's some highways and byways and some, some hidden back roads, dirt roads that you can go down. No, there's two roads in life. That's it. Jesus tells us about them. Number one is the broad road. He says, this is one that is so wide. I mean, you could turn a cruise ship sideways and just, just go down it. 
It's a broad road. And he also says, it's, it, there's, you can see there's been so many people down this road. The grass is trampled. Church, that's not the road that Jesus wants us to be down. The broad road is a road that takes so many people straight to hell. I told you I'm going to be right at you today. The broad road is the road that will take all of us if we don't make the right decision to an eternity that we do not want to be in. That's the broad road. See, the broad road is a spacious road. It's wide and it's straight there. Church, when we look at this, the thing that scares me most about the broad road is this. That broad road is so occupied. There are so many people going down that broad road straight to hell. And that's what scares me. We all have people in our life that are going to hell. That breaks my heart every day I think of that. That gives me a personal mission as a Christ follower to not let that happen. But we need to look at what Jesus said, and he says, it's a wide road. So many people is going down it. And a lot of times people go down it because they see other people going down it. But enough doom and gloom. Let's look at the other road. The narrow road. The narrow road. This is the road that Jesus has called us to go down. It's a small opening. It's so small that when you get to the gate, one person goes at a time because they have to check if you're in the book. It's like going to an a amusement park and you got to show them your ticket before they let you in. There's no fence hopping. There's no digging underneath or getting in because you know somebody. <laughs> That's not it. The narrow road is one person at a time, and they check if you're there, and if you're there, you go on. When you look at the narrow road, uh, other definitions for narrow is compressed or constricted. That means not everybody's getting in. Not everybody that we know is going to follow that narrow road. Church, when we look at why people choose the narrow or they choose the broad road, most people choose the broad road because it's easy. It's easy to fall in with the crowd because you have company. It's easy to fall in with everything everybody else is doing because you see them do it. The broad road is easy for us to go down because we have so many examples of what people are doing on this broad road. It's easy. Church, nobody in Scripture, nobody ever said Christianity or a relationship with Jesus Christ would be easy. There's nowhere in Scripture that says you following Jesus Christ will be an easy journey. Nobody ever said that. It's never been, it's never been spoke by Jesus. Church, throughout the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus tells them this. If you have been with us this entire series, if you look back, Jesus tells them from the beginning that this is not going to be easy. He tells his followers, he tells the disciples when he, he meets them in the street, this is not going to be easy, church. He tells them this is going to be a tough journey. People's going to be angry at you. People's going to spit on you. 
People's going to try to come at you and be aggressive with you because of what you believe in. You will be persecuted. Jesus tells his disciples that. Being a Christ follower is not easy. It's not. And a lot of times, because that road is so narrow, and not a lot of people get through, not like the broad road. Church, a lot of times when we're on that narrow road, we feel like we're on it by ourselves. Amen? We feel like we're the only one there. We feel like we're the only one that's going down this road because a lot of people, there's no one around us. Church, that's where our ministry needs to start and kick in, and we need to show discernment. Church, I want so many people on that narrow road with me that deserve that, that know they're supposed to be there. So it's not easy. And Jesus tells them this. He talks about turning the other cheek. It is not easy to turn the other cheek when you get slapped in the face. It is not easy to go the extra mile for somebody you don't care for. It's not easy to forgive those that hurt you, that talk about you. It's definitely not easy to love your enemies. It's not easy to fast, pray, and give. It takes time. It takes dedication. It is not easy. The Christian life is not easy. But if you want an easy life, go ahead. Go down the broad road. But there's nothing at the end of it but death. Church, when we look at this, it's not going to be easy and it's not going to be crowded. But it's going to be worth it. I want you to hear this. I know I'm talking about a lot of heavy stuff today. Church, it's not going to be easy. You're going to feel like you're all by yourself. But man, when I tell you it's going to be worth it, you better believe it. It's going to be worth it. John 10, 9 says this, I am the gate and whoever enters through me will be saved. Church, there is, there is something at the end of that narrow road that we need to start journeying towards. And that's a light. And that is that it will save you. They will come and go out and find pasture. Moses was telling his people, he was telling his people in Deuteronomy 30, 19, he says this, I call heaven and earth to witness against you today, and I have set before you life and death, blessing and curse. Therefore, choose life that you and your offspring may live. And in Joshua 24, 15, it says this, it says, choose this day whom you will serve, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Church, I'm going to ask you a very tough question right now. Do you and your house serve the Lord? If a no answer is what came to your mind, that's a no answer. If you couldn't decide, like, oh, I don't know if we serve that, if my house serves the Lord yet, that's a no. Church, we need to make a decision for our family today. Your house needs to serve the Lord. Amen? Amen. It does. And it starts with you. Your house needs to serve the Lord. It tells us that in Scripture. Is it going to be easy? No. <laughs> No, it's not. Because most time houses have kids in it. And they're and they're unpredictable. It's not going to be easy for your house to serve the Lord, but like I said before, man, it's going to be worth it. So, decision number 2. Which fruit will you pick? And he continues on in the sermon on the mount, and he says, verse 15, he says, "Watch out for false prophets." They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit, you will recognize them. Do not pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles. 17 says this. Likewise, every good tree will bear fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. 
A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. Church, there are false prophets everywhere. Everywhere. There always has been. All the way back in biblical times, there were false prophets all over the place. Church, that hasn't changed. There's false prophets every day in our everyday life. A lot of them, they're out there building their own kingdom up and, and making it look like they're building God's kingdom up. That's a false prophet. You know, false prophets have been tripping up God's people forever. Jesus says false prophets are hard to spot. He says they're going to look like sheep. They're going to look like me. They're going to look like you. They're going to they're they're look like what you're comfortable with, but they're not. They're false. And then he gets really descriptive, and he says they're wolves that are ferocious, and they will tear you apart. Church, there is false prophets out there, and he does not tolerate false prophets. God does not tolerate somebody that is a false prophet. He never has. He never will. Deuteronomy 18.20 says this. It says, but the prophet who presumes to speak a word in my name that I have not commanded him to speak or who speaks in the name of other gods, that same prophet will die. So I know you guys all have this question and we're going to get into it. How can I tell? How can I tell who's a false prophet? How can I have the discernment to decide what's true and what's false? Well, I'm going to give you five things real quick. Number one is this. He talks about fruit. He talks about fruit a lot when he's talking about false prophets. A fruit will describe somebody's character. The fruit that you pick describes who you, what your character is. If you know somebody and their character is not in line with scripture, I would would check what tree that fruit is coming from. Because that's what we get caught up the most is, man... How do they act? Their character. In Galatians 5, you guys all know this. It says, we see the faithfulness and the self-control and the love, the joy, the peace, and the patience, and the kindness. This is fruit of the Spirit. If they do not possess these, they might be a bad tree. If they can't possess love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control, they might not be a good tree. That's the one fruit that we need to look at so we don't get tricked about things that people are telling us. Number two is a fruit will describe your conduct. Man, if you look at somebody and the way they live, the way they act, that probably is a pretty good window of what type of fruit they're bearing. How many of you guys have ever told this? Actions speak louder than words. You can talk all you want. You can act like you know everything. You can act like you know scripture from front to back. But if your conduct speaks otherwise, it's probably a sign that that's a bad tree. Matthew 3, 8, it says this. It says, we need to produce fruit in keeping with repentance. John 15, it says, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that so he will be even more fruitful. If you claim to have Christ in your life, 
Please act like it. Church, if you claim to know who Jesus Christ is, act like it. That means, and I told you, I'm, I'm right at it today. Y'all need to act like you know Jesus. You need to act like you know what he stands for or what he means. You need to act like you know, most importantly, what he came for. Church, if we sit here and we act like we have no idea about why Jesus is here and, and, and you know, what he stands for, man, that's going to impact your conduct and the way you act. If you know who Jesus is, you better act like it. The next one is fruit will describe a person's work. John 9, 4 says, as long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. Man, I've really struggled with this time change. This getting out when it's dark and going in when it's almost dark is for the birds. Because I feel like when I get home and it's, it's dark after running the kids' places, I feel like I can't do anything, which that's my choice. There's no discernment there. I just don't want to. <laughs> but I get home, it's like, I don't want to do anything. It's dark, church. He is not talking about the dark that, that comes when the sun goes down. He talks about an eternal darkness. When that comes, that work that you are supposed to be doing, you're not going to be able to do it anymore. It's going to be too late. So what are you doing? What works are you doing now? That fruit describes how you work, what you work at. Now 15, 15, I'm sorry, I can't. Hebrews 13, 15 says this. Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that openly profess his name. The last fruit that we need to look out for for false prophets is how do you worship? How do you worship? We need to openly and, and every day we need to open our lips to speak the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Church, if you're here and you're trying to make a decision, if you believe this whole Jesus thing, I'm going to tell you one thing that I hope gives you the, the discernment to make that decision. And it's simply this. You have no idea how much power is in the name of Jesus Christ. I am telling you, I have seen so many things just because of a simple uh, statement about the name of Jesus Christ. There is no other person on the face of this planet that their name has that much power, has that much restoration, has that much healing, has that much respect. When he says, it's about your fruit, it's about what you do with your lips, what you say. There is powerful name in Jesus Christ. So the last decision I'm going to ask you guys to make is this. This is the toughest one. Whose will will you live out? And that's what Jesus is saying. He, he goes through, through, you know, good trees, bad trees, and he goes through all those, and then he's really starting to wrap up right here. This is where he's really starting to wind down and he says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my father who is in heaven. 22 says this, many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles. And 23 says, then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. 
Church, there is a time that Jesus is going to look at you and some of us, he's going to tell us, I had no idea who you were. There's people in our lives that are going to go to heaven or go, go and, and pass away and Jesus is going to look at them like, I had no idea who you were. Church, whose will are you going to live out? Are you going to live out your own will? Are you going to live out the will of God? Most of the time, they're not the same. When we look at the will of God, this is something that is required. When Jesus is talking about the decisions that you make, if you make a decision to follow Jesus Christ, I want you to hear this. You have to follow the will of God. You can't have one without the other. You can't be a follower of Jesus Christ without living out the will of God. Now, I know a lot of times we think our will is the will that we're living is, is correct and the will that we'll, we are living is, is the best plan for us and the best plan for our family, but the will of God is the will of God. Nowhere in Scripture does it say live out the will of Jed. Never. It says we need to live out the will of God because you see, when it comes to the end and it comes to when we have to make a decision, there will be no mistake. There will be no, oh, let me check again. We have to do the will of God. Now, church, in closing, I know I've beat you up pretty bad today. <clears throat> I am not sorry. And here's why. Church, if someone wouldn't have preached this to me when I was 11, I wouldn't be here. Like I told you, the narrow road is not easy. The things you hear on the narrow road do not always make you feel warm and fuzzy. The things that you learn on the narrow road usually, a lot of times, are something that you don't want to hear. But church, we have to make a decision. You have to decide what path you're going to go down. What will you're going to live out? What fruit you're going to bear? I can't make that decision for you. And that's what Jesus was telling everybody that was in attendance is, guys, it's coming down to it. We're closer than we have ever been before. He's telling all the followers and all the, even the false prophets in the crowd. He's saying, guys, you got to choose. You got to make a decision. I want you to use discernment and I want you to, to look at everything that I'm telling you and realize that I'm right. That what I am telling you is correct. So church, I'm going to ask you one final question. What are you going to decide? Are you going to decide that, you know what? I like not having an answer. I like living the way I like to live. I like being on the broad path. It's not that bad. I want you to make a decision. I want you to think about it, pray about it. And I'm going to tell you, I'm going to give you a spoiler. There's only one decision that's right. And that's to follow Jesus Christ. Amen. Heavenly Father, God, we come to you today. And God, I thank, you for, I thank you for bringing us here and just letting us come and worship and, and just be in your house. God, I know a lot of times decisions scare us to death. Because every decision has results. Every decision has consequences.
God, we're never going to make a decision and just nothing happen. God, our decisions affect the way that we live. Our decisions affect what quality of life that we have. Our decisions affect a lot of different things, but there is no decision greater than the one that we have to make to follow you. God, my prayer today is if there's somebody in here today that has never made the decision to follow Jesus Christ, maybe they've been a no answer. Maybe they've been the rich young ruler that just walked away. God, my prayer is that they see that the decision to go down that narrow road is the right one. There's something at the end of that road that can't be replicated, can't be duplicated. You're never going to find it down another road. God, so my prayer is that, God, that we show some discernment right now. And God, that we make a decision. In your name, amen. So we're going to continue on with the way we've been doing our response time. If you want someone to pray with you, if you've never, if you don't know who Jesus Christ is, maybe you have something going on in your life, you have to make a decision. Maybe you've got a big decision that you and your family have to make. And you just need discernment. Come over here. I'll pray with you. We have some small group leaders in, in the in the crowd today. They can come up and pray with you as well. Now, if you want to come and spend alone time with God, I get it. I love my alone time with God. I love my alone time in, with God in the house of the Lord. If that's you, you can come down here to these chairs or you can stand at the stage. I'm not going to bother you. Nobody's going to bother you. That's you and God. Whatever you want to do. Church, we have to make a decision. We have to decide. And the day, the day we need to decide is today. Let's stand.